this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. A wild week nine saw two overtime games and some back and forth action. Week 10 expects to bring the same. Brandon Miller got a lot of kudos from Toronto Rock teammates. Adam Levy is going deep into the matrix and Fox Bets should be a winner. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! Jenner, he's Pat Gregoire. Hope you are all well. Patty, is it soft snowing out there? 
It has. It stopped snowing now, but by the time people are listening to it, it probably has snowed again. So are you guys supposed to get more? We, yeah, we're actually supposed to get more over tonight, which we're recording on a Wednesday, and it's supposed to stop uh, sometime like Thursday night. Uh, it's been raining all day today, so sure, perfect. It's going to get cold. We're going to get ice. It'll be great for my commute to Hamilton on Friday. You're supposed to be going to Halifax. That's not happening. Um, Thunderbirds will play their home games for the foreseeable future in Hamilton, which sucks for them. But, you know, maybe a good thing for the future and then hopefully everyone can get everything cleared up in, in Nova Scotia and the Maritimes. Uh, just sucks for, for Kurt Styers and that fan base, and that whole organization that they can't be playing games there. Um, we will get into week 10. Um, if you want to get a hold of him, he's at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Thanks for listening right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, uh, where should we start? Let's start with the last game of the week. Sounds last good. week, the craziest game. Yeah. Um, that was nuts. That was insane. And uh, I, 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 before we hold on, you go f- no, you no, go you go first. You go first. You go first. All I was going to, I I think I know what you're going to say, so I'm going to allow you to bring it up. Um, but I did say the only way that New York was going to have a chance to win mm-hmm. was if Matt Vince had an off game. And I don't even know if it, you could really call it an off game. I think I called it a stinker, but I don't even think you'd call that a stinker. I just think that this Riptide offense is unbelievably legit. Yep. I I actually don't know what you think I was going to say. <laughs> so I don't know if what I'm going to say is the same, but I thought I was more amazed at some of the penalties that were called late in that game. That's absolutely okay. what I thought you were going to say. Um, which, which allowed teams, which allowed both those teams to go like above 75% on the power play. It, it mm-hmm. was a special teams nightmare if you're a defensive coach. But I think, I don't know why that game just was allowed to stay close because it probably shouldn't have for either team at one point. There was that points where early on you're like, okay, Buffalo's going to run away with this now. And then New York, when they made that push, you know, in that fourth quarter, I think they ended up outscoring Buffalo like six, three or something like that. But there was a time where they were up by three goals, maybe even four. Um, and you're like, Oh damn, like the, uh, the riptide are really going to do this. They're, they're going to knock yeah. off Buffalo. But then the power plays roll in that, that, you know, major, the cross check, the holding the stick yeah. on the moving pick. That one was the one that I really, I still don't understand how it was called the, the cross check. I think, you know, the high stick major, it's like, yeah, I get it. Like it's been consistently called that the last few years, but in the game, we also saw some high sticks just, or sorry, some, some checks to the head kind of been called high sticks. So it's like, there's a precedent set during earlier in the game and they always talk about game management. Well, can you not maybe give that a minor or even, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. to, 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 to assess a, a, you know, five minute major at that point in the game. I don't know. I just don't know about that. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a tough one. And I know post game comments, uh, Dan Latasur was mystified, mis- mystified himself. He, you know, he was like, Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go back and look at some of that footage to see what happened. But I was more impressed with 
his demeanor as a head coach where he said, you know, I went in at halftime. I didn't yell and scream at the guys. I just calmly said, hey, man, we just need to clean up our little mistakes. We need to stop beating ourselves and and we'll be okay. And he challenged some of those guys. He he called Callum Crawford out. You know, he basically mm-hmm. pulled him into the coach's office and said, hey, man, we need you to be better. And he was better. And I think it made that whole team better. And I know people, you know, Devin Caney and Nick Asello said on Coast to Coast a couple weeks ago, oh, maybe he's washed. Maybe he's he's done. I completely and vehemently disagree with that. I think he's evolving into a much different mm-hmm. Callum Crawford. And if we're going to see him putting up seven, eight, nine assists a game, feeding Gibson and Sundown and Teat and Kernan, I'm okay with that. Callum mm-hmm. Crawford doesn't need to score four or five goals if he's putting up six, seven assists a game. So I completely agree with you. This riptide offense is starting to turn into a very scary offense. And if their defense can just, tighten up a little bit and Orly starts making a few more saves. I think this team can start to put some wins together. No doubt about that. And, you know, to building off what you said about Crawford evolving, I had a, you know, was able to chat with him leading up to the, to the game this weekend. We're going to see him in Hamilton against uh, the T-Birds. And, you know, he even mentioned that he said like, you know, I'm, I, I'm getting used to the fact that I just, can't play the way I used to be able to play. And I could, you know, outrun guys. And, and so he says, I'm finding new ways to play. And he goes, I'm a guy that, you know, generally likes to have the ball in his stick. Uh, and sometimes, you know what, the ball dies in, in, in your stick. And he says that, you know, the way this offense is predicated, the ball's got to be whipping around. I got to be firing the ball over to our lefties. So he said, I'm still getting used to it. And he said, I could be better you know, and I know I could be better. And, and he goes, it's okay. And talking a lot of sir on the flip side, he said, he's very impressed with how open-minded Crawford mm-hmm. has been during this process to completely change his game. And he said, there are points in the game where he goes back to, you know, more of Crawford self. And sometimes that's not a bad thing yep. because he yep. can change the game in a blink of an eye, but that wasn't happening with the, that game. Yeah. And that's I, I where think- he said, you know, he said, you know, things have to change. You've got yeah. to be better. We need to keep the ball hopping. And that's exactly what happened. There are going to be those moments where Callum gets the ball off a swing and he's isolated on an Island and he can do, you know, the Callum Crawford back down, shuffle step, swim move, you know, go to his, one of his go-to moves. But I think the majority of Callum Crawford's offensive prowess will become as a distributor as the season goes along. So Riptide lose 18, 17 in overtime on Sunday. Let's go back to Saturday, the other overtime game. Philadelphia knocks off Georgia 8-7. Another one-goal game between these two clubs. They just play fantastic lacrosse games. What are you more impressed, that Georgia was able to keep it close and almost pull this one off, or are you disappointed that Philadelphia plays another close game? For me, I think I would lean towards more that that Georgia was able to, to stick with this team. And, I don't want to say they blew it, but they certainly let this game slip away from their hands. It's it, this is a team that again, they're letting an opportunity slip away here with a lot of the teams like the Toronto's, you know, even this Philly team. Um, I mean, you could even now say the riptide where they've dropped a few games that they probably should have won. Yeah. So there is some ground, some, some movement where they could have collected some wins. Uh, but now they're going to be right in that meat grinder of the East, right in the thick of things. And I, I hope, you know, down the stretch, it's not too much to overcome. 
Yeah, Swarm were out like 4 nothing, 5-1 early. And even Ty Merrow said, Philly's going to come back and win this game. It's just something in the water right now with George. They don't have that killer instinct. They don't have that killer fire. Um, and they're going to be put to the test this weekend as they've got a, a tough back-to-back with Albany that we'll get to um, as we go along. So that was the first game of the weekend. Rochester at Toronto. You were there. Toronto wins at 12-8. Uh, the Rock just never really looked uncomfortable that game. Even, you know, Ryland Hartley made three or four huge stops early. He was looking sharp. Rosie was looking good. Um, but the Rock just seemed to have that game in control. Maybe one of their best games, 60-minute-wise, all year long. I think, you know, from start to finish, I think you could put a, a pretty good argument, maybe with the case of the the win against Philadelphia. Uh, but the the thing that I was most impressed with them was when they had a couple of bad shifts on offense in a row or a couple of, you know, lackluster defensive shifts or a couple of balls, you know, hit the back of the net in a row. They never looked flapped. They never looked discouraged. And that's something that I saw in previous games that when another team would go on a run, it took them a little bit longer to, you know, say, all right, boys, they want our run. We're going to go back. It, it just, it, they were unflappable. They, they couldn't be stopped. Um, Dan Dawson, that was his best game. We've seen five points for him. Tom Triber literally could not miss yeah. six goals. Hellier seven assists. So we finally saw those three righties playing together and what they can do. And then mix in that, you know, Challen Rogers is able to actually play out the back door. He still played a lot of offensive shifts as well. And I think the big thing as well as Nick Rose was Nick Rose. Yeah. We finally saw a, a full 60 from Nick Rose. And when he makes those big saves, the timely saves, it just injects confidence into this lineup. Yeah, I like your point about, you know, the ability of Challen Rogers because when you have Dawson and Hellier and Schreiber going out every shift or every other shift, you know, you don't have to have Challen playing as many shifts so he can be, mm-hmm. you know, rest a little more rested coming out the back. He can have a little more gas late in the game. But when he's playing every shift D and then O and then having to come off, you run that gas tank down uh, a little faster. The other point I want to make uh, from that game is cannonade. Um, this was the word you used to describe Zach Mann's goal. And originally I thought you meant to say a cannon and a grenade, but got mixed up between words. But apparently this is an actual thing because I had to look it up. Yes, NHL, I think it might have been maybe 11 or oh not. I don't know. Anyways, NHL, the, the EA sports game, Bill Clement uh, and Gary Thorne. It was, it was, it's a cannonade. Any oh, sort yeah. of slap shot from the outside. Oh, so yeah, sure. it was his little catchphrase. And, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, we come into the booth with prepared lines. And that one certainly was not. It just came <laughs> to the back of my mind. 13-year-old Greggy or however old I was when I was playing those video games popped up, and that was the first thing I could think of. Uh, Maybe the surprise of the weekend, Albany knocks off Halifax 8-6. Albany has now won three straight. Halifax kind of going a bit the other way. They're still not getting contribution from their left-handers. Cody Jameson still doesn't look 100% to me. Uh, You're around this team a lot. You're going to be around them this weekend. What's... What's in the water right now with Halifax? I won't sugarcoat it. Like they're definitely pissed. Like they, they are not happy with the performance. They thought that in the second half, they played much better. Um, but, you know, 
as you'll see, if you watched um, Thunderbirds 360 at, at the end there, Mike Kikurzi said, you can't take 30 minutes off of uh, an NL game, not against any team and definitely not a team like this. And they, they seemed the, for the first time this season that they were rattled. Um, they were disappointed and talking to Austin Shanks, he said that he actually felt bad for Warren Hill for how bad the offense played in that first half down six, one, like he said, there's no excuse for how good that offense is to, to only have one goal. And they, they like the pushback, but they're, they're not dwelling on this. You know, they're saying that maybe this is a good thing. We, we picked up a loss, maybe, you know, having three wins where you eke out, maybe you didn't play your best games, but you still managed to be undefeated. You kind of walk around saying like, we're fine. We're good. But this kind of put a little bit perspective saying like, we are good. We are a championship contender, but things aren't going to come easy. Like we still have things to, to fix. And that seems to be the message going forward. Uh, maybe one of, or one of the goals of the week, Eric Finell spinning backhander, no love, <laughs> yeah. top cheese, just unbelievable. We're starting to see, you know, uh, Fox's goal. Jake Fox's goal was number one on ESPN plays the week over the weekend. Uh, from Sunday on championship like, Sunday. Yeah. Championship Sunday. Like <laughs> number one play of the week or play of the day. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. We're starting, we're starting to see, you know, Finale starting to find a little more confidence though. I think that's going to go a long way. And, you know, talking to a Kersey, he, he said, like, I asked him like, what, like, how would you get this group going? Like, how, how do you get them clicking? And he said, I think the, the big thing is confidence right now. And I think that just, you know, they're gripping the stick too much. You know, when it goes a couple of shifts in a row where the righties, you know, the ball's just not sinking for them. The lefties seem to think like, oh God, we got to pick it up now. And he just said, just get back to basics, share the ball east, east and west, and, and and it will come. He just said they're far too skilled on both sides of the ball. He doesn't believe they're out unbalanced as much as like the, the stat sheet shows. And he didn't say this, but I'll say it. I mean, we know Cody Jamison isn't, isn't a hundred percent. Once he gets to hundred percent, that's the easiest way to fix that offense is he'll get back to being jammer running across the floor, throwing the twister and just, you know, scoring jaw dropping goals like he does, but I don't want to take away too much from Albany. I'll be honest. I don't want to spend too much on this game. There's a billion games this week we have to get to, but that was an impressive performance from the back end. And Albany hasn't scored double digits once this year in a game, and they're still three and two. They have 43 goals for 45 against. They're on a three-game winning streak. They are the 85 Bears. Like they're gonna win defense. They're gonna win with you know being strong and being faster than everyone else on the floor. They're not gonna put a, a boat boat tone ton of goals, but when they get their opportunities, they're gonna score. And that's what they they showed against. Halifax. It was impressive. A uh, very impressive win. Future box bets prop. Uh, always take the Albany under. Um, the the <laughs> biggest go. blowout uh, of the weekend, and maybe one we kind of all saw coming. Finally, Saskatchewan gets the wheels going. Uh, they pump Panther City 16 to 7. They are out early. They are out often. And it was finally a night where everything just kind of fell into place for the rush. This has to be something they can build off of. <sighs> Do you hear that coming from the prairies? Just a massive sigh of relief. And they're still only two and four, but just getting that victory and not even just getting it, but like a f- the first time we've seen like the rush mm-hmm. wh- where we've seen years past, take a team, 
like, you know, put the foot on the throat and just put them out right away. Um, Shatler with seven points. Keenan had an awesome night. Obviously, the other suspects in, in Matthews and Church, they were phenomenal as well. Um, but Messenger, I mean, just when I started to get off the Messenger for MVP or Transition Player of the Year, given Challen Rogers a bit too much shine, he goes out and, and he was playing majority offense. Yeah. And he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. And, you know, setting picks, grabbing loose balls. I mean, he really was never that much of a, a goal scoring threat, but he's so good at clearing up space and extending possessions, grabbing those loose balls, uh, getting back in transition, kind of eliminating the way that Panther city wants to play. Uh, you get into the same thing with Rogers. It's like, he's so good up front, but at the same time, he's too damn valuable on the back end. So they're going to need to find a, a healthy balance where he can play a little bit of both a big physical Saskatchewan defense really silenced that Panther city offense. Should that be a concern for, for this young club? I think if this was like year three of, of what they were building, then yeah, but it's, it's the first year. This is the only the second time where I've watched a game and said, okay, this is an expansion team. This, yeah, is, this yeah. team is, this team's not there. Right. And, and, in their defense, they're a very right-handed heavy team. So their lefties were going up against some of the best defenders yeah. in the game. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, Dilks and uh, beers and um, Rubes, like, like they had them in their back pocket all yeah. game long. Like they couldn't get anything going. And I think that was Rubes probably his best game of the year. And which is saying a lot, cause he's been unreal the whole year, yeah. uh, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it just, he, he, it was like a, a shark that smells blood in the water. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's, and that's when that defense is the best when they, they when they are playing like sharks with blood in the water, it, it's very hard for teams. Like you said, you know, when you look at those lefties, they're not big, they're not, they're fast, but they're not very big. And when you have Rubish and beers and Dilks just pounding on you and pounding on you, we've seen that happen to some of the best forwards in the national crossing over the course of the last yeah. five years, just get absolutely erased because that defense is, is so big and so talented. So, um, yeah, only their second really bad game of the year. All the other games have been, you know, one, two, three goal games. But other than that Vancouver game, uh, that was the sort of their worst performance. And they'll look to get back on the slide this weekend. Speaking of Vancouver, they were held to four goals in Colorado, who wins at 9-4. No Jones, no Shuss. Kyle Killen with the only goal for them in the first half. They only had two going into the fourth quarter. Um, bit of a concern, but as we all kind of expected, Dylan Ward uh, was lights out fantastic after a bit of a stinker. Yeah. 41 saves, beautiful assist. It was, we, we saw it coming, even though we took the over in, in the, My fault. <laughs> no, My it's fault. okay. My it's fault. okay. It's okay. But we knew this was coming. He's never going to put two stinkers together. And uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, once he faces a one team once in the season, he is great at knowing tendencies. He knows these guys obviously from previous years as well, but um, he was, he was unbelievable. He, he was vintage Dylan Ward form. And I mean, Colorado, like their offense wasn't great. Like I thought Vancouver's D did a pretty good job, mm -hmm. but they did enough to win. Yeah. And that's all you need to do. Right. And, and I think that there's definitely, and I'm not saying like, oh, Colorado should be hitting the panic button or anything. Like they're still four and one. Their offense has still showed flashes of brilliance. Like Robinson seems to be like he's really found his place with this offense. Lee is putting together an unbelievable season. And Zed Williams looked like he's starting to fit with this group too. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I think 
as as a coach, Chris Gill is probably like, okay, we held him to, to nine. That that's good. But without Jones, without Shuss, um, their offense just tough. It is tough. And you know, we talked about it with Saskatchewan. You know, when you're now focused on just Keegan Ball on that right side, you know, your defense can be a little more aggressive on some of the other guys. So uh, Colorado had a good game plan. They put it to work. They win it 9-4. And then we talked about that Buffalo-New York game as maybe being the game of the weekend. It probably was. But San Diego and Calgary. Uh, San Diego wins at 13-10, but they were down, and they were able to claw their way back. They pull Frank Shiliano. Chris O'Riglieri gets, like, maybe 5-10 minutes, lets in a couple Patty Merrill puts Shiliano right back in, settles the group down, and that's a big win for a San Diego team that's top of the West and really looking like the kings of the West right now. Yeah, and you, I mean, you you got to be bashing your head against the wall if you're Calgary, just knowing that you had them there. And, yeah. you know, you, you hold Dobie to three points, but then Stotts goes off for nine, Nobes goes off for, for six or seven, whatever it was. And that just shows you how dangerous this offense is. You can't really just shut down or, you know, focus on one guy because there's just so many weapons up out front, but this is a, this is a crushing victory for, for Calgary. Um, now they dropped to one and three. They hadn't played since Nam. Like it seemed like they had been <laughs> it, was, it was like 43 days or something stupid. Insane. And I, they proved me wrong because I thought this game, I, I, I took, I was like San Diego, hundred percent. They're going to cover the spread. They're going to cover the alt spread. They're going to bury them. And then when they came out flying, I said, well, well, they're proving that proving us wrong, that maybe that layover wasn't the worst. And, and then the wheels fall off, but maybe you, you say, okay, the reason that it did fall off was because, you know, the layover and, and fatigue got to them. But at the same time, it's hard to not say that that's just a, a championship caliber team in San Diego, willing their way back to victory. I think we've seen, I think Halifax has been the only team that's had a really long layoff and then won that first game back. Um, we've yeah. seen, you know, Rochester run out of gas late. Calgary's now run out of gas late. Um, and that's definitely a sign of what teams have gone through over the past month. But just looking and at the lack of NLL transactions as we, we record this on Wednesday, we might be out of that Christmas lump of holiday time of COVID cases, mm -hmm. which hopefully means we're going to have fewer and fewer guys on that COVID list. Teams will be healthier. And, and now teams can kind of get the full complement of their roster. And we can really see what teams are. Yeah. And the thing with that is, and you can see the, the COVID, you know, protocol uh, and all the rules and whatnot are, I believe you can find them right on NL.com and, you know, once you do test positive, that that does eliminate you from having to get tested for a yeah. certain time period. I think it's so, six months now. I think, it's I think it might be six, six months. I think so. So um, if more guys go on, on the, the protocol list, obviously it's problematic just due to the fact that, you know, they're out for a prolonged time. We don't know what the long-term effects could be on these athletes, but um, once they're healthy and ready to go again, they don't have to be tested again. So I think we're going to see cases go down. It's just if, you know, for the ones who haven't tested, it's still important that they still stay safe and don't get put on this list. Uh, we'll get to Brandon Miller from the Toronto Rock Lacrosse Club momentarily, but let's do a little uh, NLL stock exchange. 
Uh, buy, sell, or hold. You can pick one for each of these three teams, Patty. And I'll go first. Um, are you buying, selling, or holding Philadelphia? Oh, goodness. Am I allowed to – so – so I of the the three teams you're gonna name, yeah, I have sorry, to buy sorry, one, yeah, let's do that. Let, let's do, you get one okay. for each team: Philly, Halifax, okay. or Albany. You buy, sell, hold. Ooh, this is tough. This is actually very tough. Now that you say that, okay, I'm gonna buy Albany. I know you're supposed to not buy stocks when you no, know, no, no, no. I'm gonna oh, change that. Okay, okay, forget I said that. Delete Halifax. There's a problem. Uh, looking at the market right now. Um, Money sign HFX starting to have a little bit of a dip. You know, they lose to Albany. People are starting to doubt maybe the unfinished business isn't happening this year. I'm going to buy that stock because I still think they're a championship contending team. I am going to hold my stock in Albany mm-hmm. because if I buy too much, it, it's just too high. The stock is way too high right now. I got to hold on to that stock because it could be very valuable. And I'm going to sell Philly because I think the stock is very, very high right now because of their record um, and because of that offense. But I just, I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to sell everything. I'm going to unload a little bit because mm. I think there is, with all those one goal games, I think that there could be a little bit of a dip in the stock coming with a losing streak. So I have to shed some of my assets and I'm going to sell. Fair enough. All right. Now it's your turn. Okay. Your turn. Are you going to buy, sell, or hold of the following three teams? Colorado, Saskatchewan, Vancouver. Uh, all right. Uh, I am going to hold on the Saskatchewan rush. I still think they can turn it around. I think they've got a good stretch of games here where they can put some wins together, claw themselves back into contention in the West and make a push. Because as you said, they're two and four, they are not out of this by any means at all. They're currently sitting in fourth, a win this weekend. They could probably get into third. So they can find that playoff spot. So that's crazy. So I'm going to hold on the rush. I still think they can definitely make a run for it. I'm going to buy the Colorado Mammoth. Um, I think people are still selling them short. I think they're going to be a contender. I think that offense is going to come around. Dylan Ward has had his one crappy game of the year. He never really has two bad games throughout an entire season. So I'm going to go uh, gimme, gimme, gimme on the Colorado Mammoth. And unfortunately, that means... I'm going to have to sell the Vancouver Warriors. They started 2-0. They've lost three straight. It's an excellent opportunity. We'll talk about it later on in the show for them to get back on the horse this weekend against Panther City. But the unknown status of Mitch Jones hurts. And I just don't know if they can kind of right this ship. I, I had a lot of faith in them coming into the year. But I just don't know if they have it. So I'm going to have to sell my stock in VWR. Ooh, I like that. Now, if I, okay, if we found out, like, say, you know, came across the wire that Mitch Jones was back on to the, you know, he was going to be playing this week, or even if we found out that, you know, his lower body injury wasn't, you know, wasn't severe, the fact that we don't know. I would have to be selling with you too. But I think if we found out he was healthy or relatively healthy, this may be a time to buy the stock. Yeah. But that question mark, 
too much for me, man. He is he. Vancouver will go as far as Mitch Jones yeah. can take them. Yeah. Put it that way. Exactly. If they're going to make the playoffs, he's going to be an MVP. Uh, if he's going to be out for a long time or even for a few weeks, they're going to struggle to put the ball in the net. We saw that last week, and it was quite evident. We didn't buy, sell, or hold the Toronto Rock, but if you ask Brandon Miller, he would go all in. He is the goaltender coach, but as well as their video coach. And he got some high praise from a couple of the fellas on the team for his work behind the scenes. We'll talk all about it. It's Brandon Miller right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined now by Brandon Miller from the Toronto Rock Lacrosse Club. B. Mill, what's going on, brother? No, I'm all good, man. You guys? Uh, we cannot complain. We're just two good-looking dudes who invite other good-looking dudes to chat lacrosse. That's good. Yeah, happy to be um, here. Uh, we were just talking. You're getting set to go down to Arizona with some of the Toronto Rock elite kids. Um, how fun is that to work with that group? Yeah, it, I mean, it's always fun to work with kids, right? Like the, the passion's so high with these little guys. So, um, you know, obviously it's my son as well. So it's, it's always good to tour around with him and, uh, I've been coaching him for a long time and, you know, sometimes it's good to get a little separation. He can have someone else, uh, yell at him. So we'll have P box down there and, and some other coaches. I think, uh, Troy Bonterre is coming down as well. So, uh, but no, it's good. They're, uh, they're a good group. They're passionate about the game. Uh, the Rockstars program is, uh, you know, Jamie is doing a great job uh, kind of starting that and more so Colin Doyle, yeah. who's running it. And uh, you guys know with uh, with Doyle, he's a, a big presence and the kids, uh, you know, gravitate to him. And and when he talks, they listen. And it's, uh, it's usually it's, it's pretty good. It's a good program. Uh, they got a good thing going. It's only going to get better. And so we'll head to uh, Phoenix and hopefully have a bit of uh, success down there. Are you getting your golf clubs? <laughs> I will, yeah, I will definitely take the golf clubs, um, get at least one round in. Not quite as lucky as uh, as you are, Teddy out west, where you can play most of the season, most yeah. of the year. So, I'll uh, try and yeah. get a, yeah, try and get a game in. So, so, so one of the main reasons we wanted to bring you in as an experienced goaltender in the league. Obviously, the the realm of goaltenders is changing across the National Lacrosse League, and. In the past few weeks, we've seen some young, young kids get thrown to the fire um, and having to jump in, whether it be for COVID or injuries or whatever it may be. But how impressed, just from afar, have you been with, you know, Troy Holichuk and Justin Geddes and Chris Riglieri and some of these young kids that are just being asked to, to do incredible things and are doing incredible things? Yeah, no, you know, going through it myself, you know, at a young age, I remember, you know, how nervous I would be you know, to, to practice, you know, in, in this league when, when I first got a kind of a, a gig, a, a third goalie gig at 20 years old and, uh, you know, being nervous, honestly, to, to practice and to be around those guys. Uh, and these guys are going in, you know, little experience, not even, you know, playing senior or anything and just uh, and playing really well. Um, it's been impressive. It's been surprising at times. You know, you, you even look at some guys that, you know, have been in the league and do have experience that, uh, you know, are having a tough time putting games together. And these guys are coming out of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been great to watch. Uh, we need, you know, young goaltenders. And it looks like we've got a, a bevy of them. So um, the league is in good shape that way by the looks of it. So, no, it's great to see. 
and Crystal Rigley, an Orangeville kid, you've obviously gotten a chance to watch him. Uh, that pipeline just continues to push out goaltenders year after year. What's the secret? Is it just guys giving back? Is it just guys wanting to be the best? What makes Orangeville a hotbed for young goaltenders? Uh, yeah, you know, I thought of it. Uh, I thought of that question a lot. And, you know, I, I do believe the passion that this town has for lacrosse. And, um, you know, if that's your position of choice, um, you work at it, you know. And, uh, you know, you see constantly with young goalies when they're away from the rink and they're playing with their buddies in the backyard while they're playing, you know, out or they've got their, their mini stick or they've got uh, a player stick. And, you know, I remember just being on my, you know, in front of my house with, with my brothers. And if we're playing pass, I had that big awkward Woody, you know, and I'd learn how to pass with it. I'd have, you know, uh, always have a goalie stick in my hand just so that I was practicing my craft. And I think you see a lot of that uh, in Orangeville. Just if they're a goalie, then they, uh, they work at it. And the ultimate goal, you know, for so many of them is just to play on the junior A team, yeah. you know, and they do whatever they can to, uh, to kind of accomplish that. And, and now we're so lucky with the NLL being what it is and, and looks like it's growing every year. They have something else to kind of, another dream to chase. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's, it's just, you know, really having a passion for a position that's sometimes tough to be passionate about, you know, like, yeah. let's be honest. Um, it's not a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The equipment is getting better, but it's not going to be without your bumps and bruises. And, um, you know, for, for young kids to, to kind of start in that position and stick with it, it's, um, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. But uh, in Orangeville, yeah, it seems like uh, for whatever reason, I think that's part of it is they just, they see that as, as an opportunity to maybe one day play for that junior A team and, uh, and move on forward. So they stick with it and, and they suck it up, <laughs> you know, paying off. Yeah. Your second season um, as a coach with with Toronto here, did you always see yourself, you know, near the end of your career, kind of transitioning into a coaching role? Uh, maybe a little bit, Pat. Just you know, my last couple of years were more of a, a backup role um, when I was playing, and you know, you can sit there and kind of crank a gate, open and close, or you can kind of get more involved and. Uh, um, you know, I'm just very passionate about winning and whatever I could do. If, if I can't contribute on the floor, I, I, you know, I would give my two cents and um, to anyone that would listen or, or help out a young guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's really what I'm doing now. But uh, instead of having to suit up, you know, I can do it in, uh, you know, a shirt and tie. And um, then it's a lot easier on the body too. So, but uh, yeah, so it's been a, a decent transition that way. An easy one just because uh, I think, um, you know, my last year in Philly, I almost was like a, a fourth coach on the bench, just kind of, you know, uh, keeping an eye on things um, that the coaches might miss, um, uh, giving some two cents. So yeah, I think I, think I saw that uh, coming and uh, it, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Talking with Nick Rose and Dan Dawson over the past couple of weeks, they, they give you a lot of credit for, for what you've done, um, especially when it comes to, to video editing and, and breaking down some film. Dawson mentioned that he cut up some film of some of the elite scores and showed them, you know, where they're scoring from on the floor. Nick Rose also said that a lot of the stuff that you and him 
you know, worked on the last couple of games were the things that helped him be successful in that bounce back win uh, last weekend against Rochester from, you know, being a goalie in this league and then now coming to a coach, how much have you seen the growth of and the importance of film when it comes to preparation for your opponent? Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. Like I kind of joke cause we're all learning. Like to me, this kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of considered a goalie coach. It's something that uh, I never had growing up. And um, so, you know, the guys that are doing it right now, we're kind of learning on the fly as well. So it's uh, the whole video thing is, um, you know, we used to sit and watch and now, now I'm on the other side of it where I'm cutting up film and it's a useful tool. And, you know, you just, it's like anything, whether you're playing and you need to put in extra practice because something's not working, um, you know, I just kind of try and treat it the same way where it's like, if there's a little thing I can do to help this team win, uh, let's see if we can dig that up and, and, uh, and use it. So um, the film has been, has been great. And, and one of the things that I, I, I w was looking at is, you know, these guys that are in the top 10 scoring every year, it seems like, you know, the names are, are pretty consistent. Um, Adobe and, and uh, Lyle and uh, Calvin Crawford and, you know, and, and I don't think their skill set is a whole lot different than, you know, most of the guys we have on our team. So, yeah, what is it that they're doing just a little bit different, um, you know, than a Robbie Hallier or Tom Schreiber to get them into that top 10 consistently as well? So we've been, yeah, kind of kind of going through, um, we'll go through film from, you know, two, three, four years ago um, because those names haven't changed and the game hasn't changed either. Um, is Dane Doby, you know, the fastest player in the league? Absolutely not. Um, he has a great shot. Well, we have guys that have good shots. We have guys that are maybe even faster than him. You know, um, let's see if we can get them kind of in that uh, that top ten kind of upper echelon uh, of, of goal scorers. Um, and it just obviously will make your team better and and hopefully have more success. So it's something that. Um, the guys have been receptive to, which, you know, it's just, if I'm going to spend the time on it and, and, uh, and we feel it, it can benefit us then you know, you don't mind doing it. In fact, you're happy to do it. Um, so yeah, it's been good. When you look at goaltenders across the league now, how hard is it to, to scout? Because there's so many, you know, there, there's the blockers and there's the jumpers and there's the angle guys. Like the position of goaltending is, is ever evolving. Like our shooters are evolving. So how do you prepare your goaltenders to kind of, or how do you prepare for different styles of goalies? Yeah. So we do that a lot. Um, you know, as much as I work with our guys, we try and, you know, scout the goalies coming in and, you know, lacrosse is so fast. I mean, when, when you get in and on top of the net, you really hardly have time to think about where you want to go. I'm, I, you know, I haven't been a goal scorer myself, but you know, I'm sure it's just instinct and, you know, you throw a lot of stuff in the net and you see where it falls, but Again, you go back to film and you start watching, you know, try and try and get a lot of film on a particular goalie and maybe you'll find, you know, a small tendency, um, um, something that just seems to keep popping up where goals are going in a certain way or um, he just looks a little awkward on, you know, a quick shot off a swing pass or, you know, does he come out a little further than other guys? And um, so sort of game planning for a particular goaltender because so much so many teams out there their defenses rely around who they have in net 
you know, uh, Matt Vince may as well be the defensive coach in Buffalo because that defense revolves around the way he plays, you know, and it's very successful. Um, you know, so, um, and I think a lot of teams do that, you know, they'll, they'll ask, you know, if, if, if we're shorthanded, where would you like the shot coming from? So with that in mind, you know, we try and kind of game plan for that goaltender. Um, you can see, you know, the last time, say, Saskatchewan has, has played uh, their last five games. Shorthanded, maybe they're opening up the, the, the top of the, the shooter spot for, for an open shot. So it looks like that's where they want the shots to come from. So let's game plan and make them uncomfortable, throw the ball behind the net, give them a few different looks that uh, maybe they're not ready for, right? And, and it's kind of kind of how we've been approaching it. And, um, and, and, I'm, and every team does, you know? And that was my big thing when, when I joined. I said, listen, you know, there's no point looking at, say, what, if we're playing in Rochester and, and you want to watch Rochester's game, uh, goals from the week before, say, well, this is what they're doing. we got to stop them from doing this. Well, I'll tell you right now, if Rochester was playing Buffalo, they're going to be doing a much, much of a different offense kind of strategy than they would if they were playing Nick Rose, who's maybe out on top of his crease a bit more than that Vince. So we look at that and try and take that into account and prepare for, uh, for each team individually. Um, over the, you know, Patty mentioned you've been with the club for a couple of years. Um, Cod's been with the group for a little while. They bring in Doily, they bring in Kruger. What's the importance of guys like that who have not only won at the highest level, but won with the Toronto Rock as well to instill that winning pedigree in an organization that, that's trying to get back to a title game? Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I think when, you know, we've, we've, we were all members of the Toronto Rock. So, I mean, you know what's expected. Um, you know, we've all, we all know Jamie. Uh, we all know kind of the, the, the legacy that uh, T. Sanderson has left behind. And, and uh, you know, to be honest, that you know, everything that he kind of instilled in that organization is still expected today. And, um, you know, with us all being Orangeville guys too, you know, it's, um, it's real easy for us, yeah. to, you know, to kind of, kind of reiterate what, what T always wants uh, in a team and, and try and, uh instill that upon our guys now, you know, whether uh, they knew him or not. Um, um, you know, so I think it definitely helps. We have uh, a coaching staff that believes the game should be played uh, in a very similar way, um, you know, so, and that's good. And at the same time, you know, bringing Rusty in from, you know, he's been, I don't know, would it be maybe five years with Buffalo? Um, you know, myself being with a different organization last time I played in Philly, Bringing guys in, Bruce Cogway was with Calgary, bringing guys in that have been with other teams to see how they do things too. Yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt, you know. Um, we always, uh, I always think that's a great thing, you know. Um, get a little bit of everything from everywhere and, uh, and see what works, right? Yeah. So you've played with him, you've played against him, you're coaching him, Dan Dawson, how awesome is it to see not only him continue to rise in the record books, but just to see him being able to contribute at this rate at this age? Yeah, no, I, he's always been one of my favorite teammates. Um, one of my favorite competitors in the, in the league, you know, it's, um, 
you, you expect him to slow down, but he's been so good for us, <laughs> you know, like he really has. And, uh, you know, and that's just a testament to him, right? I mean, he loves the game. Um, he loves to work out. He, you know, he puts his time into it. There's no question about that. And uh, at that age, you know, time can catch up, but um, he's been fighting it off. And, uh, you know, it's great to see. And, and, and all the extra record stuff, you know, like, um, it just goes to show you he's been so consistent every year, uh, such a dominant player and, you know, a hat trick uh, on Saturday night. So he's, he's still going and um, yeah, we're, we're happy to have him. That's for sure. And he's just such a good guy to be around. Right. Um, heart and soul lacrosse guy. And uh, so it's been good. Yeah. I think one thing people maybe not know about Dan is, is he's very young at heart when he's around the boys and, he, and he's a bit of a prankster mm-hmm. and he's a bit of a jokester. It's must be nice for some of those young guys to see a grizzled vet like him still joking around and, and having fun with the fellas. Yeah. You know, I actually, Dan and I were talking about that not too long ago. And, um, you know, I, when I entered the league, it took me a long time, you know, I, uh, to really kind of, to find that, you can't be serious all the time sort of stuff. Right. And then, and um, yeah, it's a long season and and everything else. And you're going to, you know, you're going to enjoy your wins. The losses are really going to get you down, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're not out there having fun all the time. And uh, so when you have a a level, uh, a guy like Dan that has a level of that kind of, uh, you can still joke around. Right. I mean, the guys in the record books, he's going to go down the top two in points right now. Right. Um, you know, he's an all timer, but you can just look at him and say, Hey, you know, you can't have that longevity in the league. If you don't put a smile on your face, if you're not enjoying it, he would have been gone a long time ago. And so sometimes it takes that, right. A a little prank here. And uh, I think we have a good mix of that in Toronto. Um, guys that uh, probably have a very long career in the national lacrosse league, guys like Callan Rogers, Kyle Matisse, Graham Hossick, Mike Messenger, Reed Bowering, these guys that are just monsters that played two way games and are just imposing their will on guys and being able to, to shut down on defense, run the floor, play a shift to, Oh, how important is that position in the NLL right now? Well, I mean, what are everyone's thoughts on Brody Merrill? Right. I mean, he, he was really the only one that did it for so long. Mm. And now it's just like, you know, um, they're everywhere. Every team seems to have one of these guys. They're just beasts. They can go both ways um it's it's huge and uh, you know we have one of the the best in the league obviously in challenge and um but yeah they're, they're they're starting to show up more and more it's just these freak athletes uh great for our game great for the league um but yeah i always i always go back to think you know brody did it for so long and, and you know everyone was dying to have him you know because there's, he was like a unicorn and now they're popping up more and more it's it's great it's great for the league um Philly this week you guys a uh, big game this weekend um thoughts about where you guys are at heading into a, a crucial weekend this this coming up yeah into Philadelphia so you know um uh, they've got a great team you know and uh, and I was in that dressing room uh when COVID stopped the league and um you know they they've got a they've got all the pieces they really do and, and so do we and um it's Probably, I don't know, we, we may both be able to make it, but at the end of the day, they're a rival, um, you know, a very competitive team. It's, it's going to be, we, we beat them once at home. So 
they're going to be hungry for it. And, you know, in this league, right, we know there's no easy ones. Um, we're prepared. We had a good practice last night and uh, the guys will be flying out uh, Friday afternoon. And um, yeah, it's always exciting to go into Philly, you know, and uh, it should be a real good game. Um, uh, this came to my mind when you mentioned that Philadelphia game. Um, have you ever seen a ball? Did you ever have a ball go through your cage like that happened to Higgy? Yeah, Cam Woods, when we were in Chicago, his morning shoot around, he shot one and it went through the cage and just rested on my eyebrow. Didn't go all the way through. And that was scary. Um, with Hagee, with that shot that happened in, in Hamilton, my God, that was uh, that was a scary scene. I was lucky enough to uh, track him down after and had a good chat with him. And man, his spirits were high. <laughs> His, uh, his face was swollen, but, um, you know, he's uh, by watching last week, I guess he played both games and he's feeling well, he's feeling great, obviously, and uh, playing great again. Uh, the guy, I mean, I tell you, when I spent that year behind him in Philadelphia, uh, he really impressed me. The guy is, uh, he's a, a great goalie. He's got a big career ahead of him, taking him a while to get there. And, uh, you know, now he's got that spot. He's not going to relinquish it, um, you know. So a real good test for our guys, definitely with, with Hagee. And uh, I'm glad to hear and, and see that he's doing okay. Uh, it was one uh, one freak accident. Sure was. Uh, B, appreciate this, my man. Um, enjoy Arizona. Good luck in Philadelphia. Tell Doily and the boys we say hello. And uh, appreciate the time, my man. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. That's Brandon Miller, B. Mill, always a great chat. We were chatting before uh, we started recording. Uh, he works for the Hydro Company in Ontario, uh, and he still runs into Scott Evans and Steve Evans from time to time, and they always still remind him uh, that the Peterborough Lakers are the better team. Um, so you never really get away from the ribbing from a lacrosse player, uh, but a great chat there with Brandon Miller. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I mean... I think, and I think we've talked about this before, but I think we're going to see more and more, and we have seen in the past, but more and more goalies getting involved in, in coaching or in scouting general management, because they are truly the eyes of the floor. Like they see everything, right? You see the defense, you see the offense, you, you, you know, you haven't played the game or maybe you have, but your expertise is stopping the ball. And I think most people are like, well, that's all it is. It's stopping the ball, but no, it, it goes so much more. And uh, yeah, I think that this is a perfect example. Not only is he helping Nick Rose, you know, fix some holes in his game, but he's cutting up film for the offensive guys. He's cutting up, you know, film of, you know, some of these guys and what they can do better in their game and, you know, teams coming in. There's so much more to film now than there ever was and it's not just okay this is what the team does this is what we can do better or this is what you know we did last game it's so big yeah. and i think that the more creative these teams are going to get the better that their scouting and development is going to go i can't believe you threw a ricochet shot at dane doby like why you gotta call <laughs> dane doby for not being fast like so unnecessary he always gets the ricochet shots man. <laughs> he does uh, great chatting with B Miller as mentioned he's off to Arizona with the rock stars um, one thing I love about that and I got to kind of experience it a little bit when I did some U.S. boxer work in their early days 
is like you said, you know, seeing goaltenders starting to give back, but seeing a lot of former NLL players um, who have relocated to the U S that are starting to coach in these programs. Uh, It's just amazing to see. And it's always a cool little get together when, you know, you can see old teammates at at some of these tournaments coaching the young kids, but Mm -hmm. that's where the next generation is going to come from is the kids that are being coached by current and former stars in our league. It's, it's awesome. And you hear the old cliches of giving back to the game, but it truly is. And you're seeing not just, you know, players coaching their kids, like they're coaching all different age groups. And the thing that I really am impressed with is the growth of not just, we always knew like with us box law, there was the pockets, like obviously Cali lax is, is great. We've seen the junior seals, but like, I was checking this out and like, there's teams coming from Utah. Um, you know, there's a Minnesota team. Callum Crawford is bringing his team from Tulsa. Like they're from all over the place. Yeah, like it's awesome. It, it's so awesome to see that the box game is now just in, not in those little pockets where we've seen previous growth. It's coming from all over the place now. Yeah. U.S. box law continues to grow And as we said before here on the show and elsewhere, that next generation of box-raised American-born players, thanks to U.S. Boxla, is going to take the world by storm. And it's going to start, like, in the next few years. And it's going to be amazing to see some of the talent that continually comes out of that program. All right, week 10 in the National Crossing. Seven games, two Friday, five Saturday. No ESPN game of the week until February 12th, but we finally get a Western TSN game of the week. We'll talk about that one. Yes. We'll start with you, Patty. New York at or New York at Halifax, but it's actually in Hamilton. Uh, I I know you won't go against them. However, my spidey senses kind of feel like this is a New York win. I mean, if you're looking from a gambling perspective, I mean, we can talk that a little bit later. Why not sprinkle a little bit? But for me, I think this goes two ways, honestly. And it's it's kind of like a duh, no, like no duh, Pat. But like, I think either Halifax comes in and really just takes the boots to New York and it's a get right game. And, and you're like, oh, okay, this is why, you know, this is why they're a championship contender team. Or New York comes in and, and, and beats them. Um, and we see that offense click like we did last week. This is an interesting one for me. I think Halifax, a lot of the chatter is like, oh, how the offense is just driven by the, the righties. And, you know, they, they, they're a team that has a chip on their shoulder. But for me, it's the defense and Warren Hill that's just not getting the love it deserved. I can't Ooh. wait to see the matchup between Graham Hosick and Jeff <laughs> T and like that right there yeah. is worth the price of admission. Like that matchup right there is great. Like you're going to see Tyson Bell on Callum Crawford. Like the, 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 the defensive matchups is something I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game and, and the performance that New York had last game against Buffalo in a game that kind of everybody was like, Oh, this is going to be an easy win for Buffalo win by four or five. And it didn't happen. Um, New York is starting to show that they can run with the big dogs in the NLL. And if they put up another good performance here against Halifax, they, you know, I think more people will start to believe in them. And I think it all starts in net with Orleman. He finally had a a strong game. Yeah, sure. He he, he gave up 17 in overtime, but that wasn't indicative of his play it was just a shooting gallery that night, especially on the power play. 
But if this New York team can can pull out another solid victory, uh, I'm definitely going to think they're, you know, they can maybe start to push. But we will wait and see. Obviously, again, that game is in Halifax. Or sorry, not in Halifax. It'll be in Hamilton. Um, but you'll be able to see it as always on TSN.ca and ESPN+. Maybe the most intriguing matchups of the weekend, a rare home and home between Albany and Georgia Friday and Saturday, first in Georgia, Saturday in Albany. Is this just a case of who can get the most rest between Friday and Saturday? Uh, I, this one here, I, I, this one just screams split to me. Yeah. And I think both teams would take that. I think they would too. I think they would. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. But for me, Albany, let's go back to when they were in new England. They're a team that likes to be the underdog and they're a team that loves reading the, the press clippings. That's, you know, says that, you know, they're overachieving or they like seeing the expert picks that no one's picking them this week. I hate to burst their bubble. I think a lot of people are going to be picking them this week. And I, I don't know necessarily with both these games, but I think, you know, the momentum towards the firewolves is really going to start to roll. So them embracing themselves as the underdogs might not last much longer because this is a team that's really found their identity. Um, they're going to piss off a lot of people that like the high flying, you know, active lacrosse. They'll be active out the back door. Mm-hmm. They, they run, they run around well on offense, but they're a team that just likes to grind you down. And if they can do that to Georgia, if they can slow down Lyle Thompson, maybe they can come out with two wins. Yeah, they got to find a way to shut down Mr. Hattrick, Shane Jackson, who continues to put up three goals at a ridiculous pace. Um, I was talking with Ty Marrow about this, just asking him how that travel is going to be, because there's no real direct flight from Georgia to Albany. So if they're going to fly, well, obviously they're going to fly, but they can either connect in like Philadelphia or maybe LaGuardia and then make that connector. They would have to leave at like 6.37 in the morning, get in there before noon. So that's not that bad. Still get a chance to get a nap in and some food. But Ty was saying maybe they would fly to Hartford and then do the two-hour bus from Hartford to Albany. So I'm not sure which I would rather. But either way, it is going to be a tough Saturday morning for all of those guys. And they're going to definitely need to figure out their rest and recovery program to have any sort of legs come Saturday. Big time. Big time. <laughs> That's, those are the worst. The Sure, the day after games always suck. When you're having to do it against the same team, it's just – it's just a pain in the ass. You never like, like that second game. You're like, Oh, I just got to play this guy again. Like that's never, a, and it's never a fun moment. Uh, speaking of I upstate think, New York. I, oh yeah. What's up, Patty. I was just going to say, I think we could see oh, too bad. Cool. bet doesn't have it. I'd be taking the over in the penalty minutes in that second oh, game. Because, a lot of holds. Yeah. A lot of holds. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of those slashes that are on that. You just, yeah. you got me there yesterday and, yeah, yeah there's going to be yeah. frustrating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, standing up state New York on Saturday, Rochester at Buffalo, the I-90 battle part two. Uh, it's always one of my favorite matchups of the year. Whenever these two teams play, I've played in it a couple times. Uh, it's just such an incredible environment. Rochester fans always travel well to Buffalo. Uh, but I would imagine that the Nighthawks are going to go up against a very pissed off bandit squad that almost let one slip, but battled back. Uh, this will be a very interesting game because Rochester has proven that they can hang. Yeah. And if you listen to 
lax class this week, uh, you know, burn Josh Byrne was on the program. He said, you know, we owe him one because they felt that they didn't play very well in that game in Rochester, where it was a tight contest. And they've, they're obviously going to be pissed off with that overtime victory that, you know, obviously you're never going to be pissed off at an overtime victory, but they probably felt like it should have been, you know, done before then. But I really hope for Rochester's sake that Holden Katoni is back into the yeah. lineup because that offense, you know, just doesn't look the same without him in that lineup because now all of a sudden all your attention goes to Charlie Bertrand on that left-hand side. And I love Charlie Bertrand. I think he's going to be a tremendous player. He showed, he showed flashes of brilliance um, against Toronto, but you know, guys like Brad Cree was, were having their way with him, and yeah. he's going to be a number one lefty. One of these days, he's not it right now. And I think Katoni is able to take a lot of that pressure off and that's opened up Bertrand for, for some, some goals there. Um, I watched this, or, uh, this thought came to my mind when I was watching that New York Buffalo game and it may be, a, it's a Pat O'Duh moment. Um, but <laughs> Buffalo is a different animal when they're at home because they feed off that crowd, right? Yes. Like they were playing yes. in New York and New York had a really good crowd. Don't get me wrong. But you know, when Chase Fraser scoring those goals, he's usually, you know, with a, the, the smirk on his face and the smile and he's pumping up the crowd. They just didn't seem to have that energy in that New York game. Sure. They had the, the, the prowess to be able to come back and the fortitude to get back into that game and score those goals. But it just felt like it was a different energy when you go back and look at some of those other games in bandit land. So I think that they really get an extra boost when they're playing at home. And I think they're going to be able to feed off that this weekend against Rochester. And I think they're going to take that game. And I think they'll take it handily, but I just, it's, you know, the home crowd does something a little extra for, for every team, but the way the bandits play that kind of, in your face, I'm a punch you first kind of mentality. They really, it's the shark in the water mentality. They really feed off that when they're at home. Absolutely. And I think on the flip side, when they go on a run, that loud horn plays. Yeah. That like their eccentric celebrations, like it makes the other team's blood boil, which sometimes can be good because then it's like, okay, the run's over. We're going now. Or like, what we saw with Toronto uh, like a month ago, it ended up, they, they were actually too bound up and ended up taking stupid penalties because they were too worried about, you know, Chase Fraser when, you know, hit, lifting up his hands, getting the crowd going, him pointing at Nick Rose. So yeah. it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword. Sometimes you can rile the other team up in a good way for, or sometimes it ends up biting you in the butt, but I, I totally agree. They're going to be fired up and you're going to see, that swagger that Buffalo plays with, especially at home. Rematch from week three where the rock beat the wings, 12, nine, uh, Philadelphia and Toronto in Philadelphia Saturday. Do we finally see Philadelphia put 60 full minutes together, or is this just going to be something that's going to haunt them all year long? You think? I want to say that I think this is the the game that we see it. I think Paul Day is desperately wanting to see this happen, but I can't say yes until we see it. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe Toronto's a team that they've turned a corner here and they're just going to come, you know, start rolling. Um, but Philadelphia's played a billion games at home. 
Um, they need to take advantage of, of picking up as many wins as possible at home. I think they've only dropped one so far, um, but they haven't all been pretty. So no. this is a huge game. I can't stress how massive this game is. Philly, you've already lost to Toronto, um, but Toronto, you've you've already collected a lot of losses against Eastern teams. Like these two teams are going to be playing, don't want to say desperate, but they're going to be playing with some serious urgency. I think if Toronto can keep Philadelphia, you know, their if they can keep their that offense under wraps and not let them get going, I think they have a really good chance of, you know, winning an eight, seven game, but if it becomes a shootout, I don't think they can last with Philadelphia. No, I totally agree. And this is, you know, Jamie Dowick, like this is where his, his structure of building, you know, that, that defense, he was the architect of bringing in all these pieces in the off season. And you have a guy like Brad Cree, who's playing at the top of his game right now. Um, Mitch Disnew, you bring him in the off season. Hopefully Latrell Harris is ready to go off the IR. Um, I don't think we're going to see um, Noble come off the, the pup list, but this is why you built a strong defense. This is why you have the depth. It's to go into teams against, you know, like Philadelphia and shut that defense down. And Nick Rose is going to have to be big as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nick Rose is going to have to have another strong game for the Toronto Rock if they're going to have any chance in that one. Uh, West Coast, or sorry, West Division rivalry renewed Calgary and Colorado. We were joking with B. Miller uh, or <laughs> about the, you know, Calgary always finding a way to beat Colorado. Or we were talking with Adam Levy about that. And yeah. uh, it, it is true. There's just something about Calgary against Colorado in the postseason, but regular season is a different animal. And these are two teams going opposite directions, but I have a feeling that this game is going to have some bad blood and some high intensity, and it's going to be an absolute dandy. Yeah. And you want to talk about urgency. I don't know if you're going to have a more urgent team than, than Calgary. I think this is a massive make or break game. It can change the course of their season. If they come in here and get a big win on the road, it's going to boost and, and jolt them with confidence. If they lose, then you start thinking, it's like, are, okay, are you a seller at this point? Like, what are you doing? Like, do you, like, where is this team going? Which direction are they going? And anytime you start to doubt this Roughnecks group, especially with the man they have in net and with Curtis Dixon, um, and of course with their bench boss, like those guys, you want to talk about reading the press clippings and liking yeah. when they're underdogs? It's this group right here. So I think they're going to use this as motivation saying, you know, Mouse is going to go in there. No one believes us, but you know, everyone thinks we're already done this year. And I think that could motivate them to a, a little bit of an upset here. Can we finger point one thing that's causing Christian Del Bianco to have a ridiculously subpar season? Like I'm looking at the goalie stats right now. He is not in the top 20 right now when, when it comes to goals against Savage. How ridiculous is that to think of? That's I would I would have never guessed that. Would have never guessed. And I know he's not having his his, his best season by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean he's still if I'm building a, a team. I mean, he's, he's either one, a one B if I'm building a, a team and p starting a franchise with a goalie, like his goals against not, is 14.02 14, and a 0. 0.72 save percentage. 
You can't win in the NLL when those are your numbers. No, exactly. And I think the goals against average, you can kind of always say, well, maybe the defense isn't playing well, or, you know, the offense can't have, you know, they're, they're not scoring. So the defense is always playing, but the thing that's really alarming is that 0.720 goals against average that that's, I think that's worst among all starting goalies mm-hmm. in the national lacrosse league right 100%. now. So he needs to be better. He knows he needs to be better. And if you want to get your team on a run, if you're looking to someone to, to spark that, I think it's Christian Del Bianco. We'll have to see. He'll be going up against Dylan Ward, who uh, was a hot, hot, hot goaltender uh, last week. And final game of the week, TSN game of the week, Panther City at Vancouver. Uh, as we kind of mentioned, we don't know the status of Mitch Jones. Logan Schuss was a healthy scratch. Panther City just got the boots run off him against Saskatchewan. Uh, this is a clash of two teams struggling, and someone's got to win. This one... For me, I, I, I think from an intrigue standpoint, I think this one's the most interesting to me. And I think I've already said that like three times, but the, I mean, the schedule is awesome this week, but for me, it's, yeah, you have, you have two, two teams that are super desperate and two teams that are seeing like, you know, Saskatchewan starting to find their stride. San Diego is separating themselves, you know, at the top, um, like, they're, you know, Colorado, they're, they're really starting to heat up. These are teams that are like, okay, everyone else is starting to really heat up. Like we can't fall back too far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with Panther city, I think their mindset is like, okay, we're an expansion team, but we're so close. Like this, what a better learning experience than doing this in your first year. Like, look what San Diego was able to, why can't we be like them? Whereas Vancouver, you come into the year, guns a blazing everyone's so shocked uh but then now things are starting to go south and you lose potentially you know your best player for an extended period of time we don't know yet mm-hmm. um but now your back's against the wall what are you going to be able to do are you going to rely on your goaltending and your defense here who's going to step up uh, adam charlambides zero goals last game zero points he's got to be better and Pass. i know he can but he has to. He just simply has to be better. He's too good. He's too athletic. He's too big. He's too strong. He can't have a goose egg when it comes to points yeah. ever. Never mind in a, a almost, don't want to say it a must win, but it's pretty damn close to a must win here, Teddy. Um, just looking at the stats, obviously Saskatchewan doesn't play this weekend. However, if Panther City does win that game and say Calgary loses to Colorado, that puts panther city at two and five they're tied on wins they would be tied on wins with vancouver saskatchewan and calgary like they're right in it it's crazy to think that we're in week 10 and you know besides maybe buffalo who's five and oh no team is really head and shoulders above everybody else maybe put san diego in there as well but no team is out of it and with that extra wild card spot that can go to the eastern division like you're one and five new york Panther city, you still can go on a three game win streak and climb three spots up the table right now. It's no, I don't think we talked about last week. I'm not using the panic button anymore. No team should be panicking. Every team should be thinking, okay, what's the next piece or what's the next moment that's going to make us be better. And I think 
for Panther City and for Vancouver, this is a game that can really propel them through the rest of the season. Yeah, Vancouver wins here. They're three and three. Like exactly, they're right? and they're sitting and they're sitting pretty. They're one win behind Colorado. Like now, all of a sudden, it's like okay, like we're good, we're fine. If you lose, you're not panicking because you're like okay, like that's one that we definitely would rather have. But we're still in the thick of things. Like yeah, it's especially wild in the West. Me. Yeah. It's nuts. And the East is a, the East is the same thing though, really. Yeah. Like you yeah. mentioned it, Riptide go two and five here. It's like now all of a sudden they're right. You know, you, you string a couple of games together and next thing you know, you could be in that wild card spot. If the playoffs started right now and we took the top eight teams, it would be Buffalo, San Diego, Colorado, Halifax, Philadelphia, Albany. No one, two, three, four. Is that how it would work? It would be Buffalo, Halifax, Philadelphia for sure. San Diego, Colorado, Vancouver for sure. And then you would get Toronto and then Georgia and Saskatchewan would have to have a tiebreaker. But like, it's going to be very interesting that that flex position, um, whoever gets that spot, it's, it's going to be a dogfight right to the final weekend. And Adam Levy, over at lacrosse flash our stats guru will always be going in depth to find levy nuggets golden stat lines and interesting tidbits and he's got himself a brand new podcast it is lacrosse matrix and we go into the matrix right here on the off the crossbar podcast with adam Levy. joined now by adam levy who writes for the national cross he also writes for us over here at the lacrosse flash brother how are you Good, Teddy, Pat. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Um, good to have you, buddy. You're uh, you're going through uh, a lot of changes in your life. Um, you and Nikki are settled into your house. You're, you're building your office and your man cave slash podcast studio. But you're also going through uh, the teething times with young Preston. Uh, how's the little man doing? Yeah, I, I guess you could say there's a lot of growing happening in uh, in each part of the family um things are are good they're very very busy for me uh between the stuff that i do for the nll and um you know now starting up this uh podcast that i'm working on um things are are very busy but uh preston's doing great nikki's doing great and um we we couldn't be happier with how things are going are you seeing all the royalties roll in from her world famous movie premiere uh, not yet. However, <laughs> I will oh. say that, uh, she has, uh, gotten picture cast for a, a role where she'd be in some kind of crazy party. Uh, and if she gets, uh, cast for that, then she'll be working for about two weeks. And it's kind of like, it's, she'll be used using prosthetics and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's supposed to be like this debaucherous party. So it'll be really cool if she gets that. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. All things going That's right awesome. in the in the Levy family. Um, so tell us about the Lacrosse Matrix po- Lacrosse Matrix podcast. How did it all come about? Uh, well, as you guys know, I mean, really, when I first got into the NLL, stats were a huge part of what I was interested in. I remember Pat um, when you were doing Relax with uh, with Tyson and and Ashley. You know, I would chime in on Twitter with all these stats facts and things like that. And you guys kind of helped me grow to, to where I am today. And I've always been involved with stats and, and loving all sports stats. And, you know, that was kind of my way to, to introduce myself into the lacrosse world. So as a storyteller first and a writer first, I, um, you know, I 
thought, how can I combine my other passion of stats and and kind of helping these players get appreciated for the statistical achievements that they've accomplished? And, you know, the way to do that was through this lacrosse matrix podcast, which will combine storytelling and uh, statistics uh, in a way that I don't think we've ever seen before. How do, how do you propose to do that? Because everyone's wanted to do something that is a little bit different. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, you're talking about different, uh, what Ty Merrow just started uh, for Lacrosse Flash, his written statistical series, which is fantastic. Definitely go check it out on lacrosseflash.com. Uh, you know, it takes a different look at statistics, different numbers, things you don't normally see. So basically what I do, and, and you can see it on my Twitter at Adam Levy Sports, um, is, uh, you know, I'll find a couple different statistics and pile them together to make a, try and make a case for a player who, or a team that maybe is doing better historically than in the past. But with the lacrosse matrix podcast, what I'm trying to do is I'm including interviews mixed with data driven analysis. So basically like, uh, for this first episode, uh, I'll be talking with Ryan Lee and a couple of uh, the players and coaches from the Colorado Mammoth. And we're starting with a premise and an idea that Ryan Lee's numbers this season, you know, do they warrant an MVP conversation in the early parts of this season? And so we have data or I have data, you know, that maybe might back that up and and try and convince you maybe that that, that is something that we should be talking about. But then also talking to Ryan, talking to head coach Pat Coyle and asking them, you know, what we're seeing of Ryan and, and what his contributions have done for the team, you know, does, do they think that he should be in the conversation? And so by mixing analysis from uh, analysts like yourself or coaches and players, it's not just me giving you numbers. It's also having a, a personal human touch saying, okay, you know, there, there is some belief out there for, for the point that I'm making. I would say that I, I like, first off, I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the nuggets that you throw out there. I like, you know, being able to have the eye test, but then also to back the numbers, but I wouldn't say I'm a true quote unquote numbers guy. Is this still a podcast that would pertain to some of those folks that like stats, but they're not a guy that's going to dive in deep into the numbers and, and really get into the thick of things. Yeah, of course. And I think that that's exactly why I wanted to include the interviews because, you know, just listening to me saying, oh, blah, 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 scoring 5.7, whatever points per game, you know, that can get boring, especially after I'd say, you know, hearing that for more than 10 minutes would be quite exhausting. Um, but when you throw in different audio clips and things from players that you may aspire, um, you know, uh, or, or, or have an interest in and, you know, follow I think that it adds that factor of like, oh, you know, not only do I think that, but a player that I really admire really thinks that. And, you know, that creates a personal touch between the fan and the player or the fan and the coach and the fan and the team. Who, who are some other guys that you're going to be talking to? Obviously, you said Ryan Lee's kind of your first guy up on deck, but what other stories are you, you trying to flesh out? Uh, so for this first episode, we'll be talking with, uh, Pat Coyle. I'll be talking to him, uh, in a few hours, actually, after we've recorded this, uh, earlier today, I spoke to Eli McLaughlin, who is, um, in Colorado, uh, now, um, he, uh, has given Logan, uh, Logan Shuss some time alone in their home, which they had, 
uh, rented together. And I'm sure Logan's very happy about that. Um, so basically those are the three guys that we've talked to, um, this week, or we'll be talking to this week. Uh, however, going forward, I'm even interested in toying with the idea of going beyond the scope of players and coaches and talking to people like, you know, behavioral analysts or, you know, strengths coasts or how, if you take a player who, you know, has achieved like a, a high career milestone, like let's say 700 points, you know, it's important to know how a player deals with longevity, you know, how they stay fit, how they do all those things that adds so much to the story of what they're doing. And so, you know, as players achieve milestones and as they, you know, hit personal bests and things like that, there's all kinds of avenues and methods to, to track their statistics. Um, give us uh, your, your best Levy nugget that you found recently. My best Levy nugget, actually, um, I can do that. Hold on just one second. Best Levy nugget. All right. Uh, best Levy nugget would be the Colorado Mammoth uh, have a chance to go five and one. For the first time since five and one or better to start a season um, in their first six games for the first time since 2012. And it would only be the third time in franchise history that they would have started a season at five and one or better. Does that go all the way back to when they were like the Washington power and no, it just goes back to when they were, when they were in Colorado, just in Colorado. Yeah. That's pretty bad. How'd they do in 2012? How did they do in 2012? Well, they started out eight and one. Oh. Um, and in the playoffs, they probably they probably lost to Calgary in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I would imagine that was the case. <laughs> if you're talking playoffs and it's not the championship year, it's pretty much they lost to Calgary. Yeah, I, I don't know the the exact result there, but I I I think that you're probably right. Where uh where can people find uh the lacrosse matrix? Uh, so it's going to be on lacrosseflash.com, but it's also, uh, if you want to find it on uh, my Twitter uh, and show some, my Twitter handle some love at Adam Levy Sports, I've now plugged that twice. Just trying trying to raise the followers Plug there. Away, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I've had, you know, I have to say I'm really thankful for all the people that have, you know, uh, followed me and have found an interest in what I'm doing. And, you know, I've seen that through, through the amount of people that are following me and responding to me. And that means the world to me that, you know, people are, are interested in what I'm doing because, you know, I'm interested in doing what I do and doing what I love to, to give these players and, and coaches and teams, the appreciation they deserve. And I know that we're all in that same boat. So it means a lot that, that people can, uh, can, uh, give me that support to kind of help, help that mission along. Um, when you and I were talking the last time we were together, you know, you were showing me, you know, your memorabilia in, in your office that you're in right now. And I was kind of blown away at your connection to the sports broadcasting world. You have some pretty unique connections with some legends in the business. I do. Yeah. One of, one of my closest, uh, I guess, relatives. So I have a, a godmother, her name is Susan Meredith. She is a, a lovely woman, one of, the, one of the kindest, most sweetest, most giving people I've ever met in my life. And her husband was Dandy Don Meredith, who you may know uh, was a Monday Night Football broadcaster 
um, absolute legend uh, in the broadcast booth and uh, played as well um, in the 60s as a quarterback, you know, when the Dallas Cowboys were just starting and and he got pummeled uh, and it definitely took a toll on him later in life. Um, but, you know, his announcing career was uh, really unmatched. It was so natural. It was so pure. You know, he brought this Southern Texas twang uh, and, and storytelling with him that was something you just don't see today. Um, you know, you guys are, you know, two prime examples of announcers who you have your style. You're not afraid to be who you are. And, you know, it reminds me a lot, actually, of what Don was doing, because, you know, carving your own path is, is so important to, you know, not only your career, but it inspires so many people to, to just be true to themselves. And Don Meredith really did that. And, um, you know, one of my proudest accomplishments in life was when I was 13 years old, I had uh, done actually a data analysis on him as a player trying to get him into the NFL Hall of Fame. And uh, awesome. that had failed. Um, because his stats weren't good enough, even though they were better than most of his contemporaries. However, uh, it got the attention, um, obviously, with the help of my godmother, Susan Meredith, of Frank Gifford, who was Don's uh, co-star on Monday Night Football. And that got Don into the NFL Hall of Fame as an announcer. Um, so uh, hold, on, we were... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. Back this up for a second. You're 13. <laughs> yes. You do a statistical analysis on (laughs) Don Meredith to try to get him into the Hall of Fame. It doesn't work, but then it gets wind to Frank Gifford, who pulls some strings strings, and gets him into the Hall of Fame. Yes, that that is. As a 13-year-old, you are (laughs) legitimately responsible for getting Don Meredith into the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Yes, I, uh, I wish and I actually want to contact uh, the NFL Hall of Fame because uh, Don invited us to the ceremony, um, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and he gave me a shout out in front of all of the Hall of Famers that were there, all of the ESPN personalities that were there. What? And um, yeah, it was a really, really cool moment. Um, <laughs> and uh, That is amazing. Yeah, I got to meet uh, Chris Boomer Berman that day and uh lynn swan and uh so many other great players it was really uh it was a unbelievable weekend and um yeah i mean it all came from my passion for stats that is one of the craziest stories i've that's ever heard not... <laughs> yeah. that's gotta be a movie like, that's gotta I be a movie an hour that at 13 you were doing like these statistical analysis things and now you tell me you helped get a guy into the hall of fame that one of the craziest things i've ever heard my man yeah, well, I mean, let's. I, Don did most of the hefty, hefty okay, sure, living. Yes. He sure did. He, uh, <laughs> yes. as as a broadcaster, he he really was uh, great. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, one of the things, and we talk about it a lot in stats and and with the NLL is that, you know, people love numbers. People want to have hard data to go back to, and you know, the NFL, the NBA, all these places, they have so many resources for historical data. So, you know, using nflreference.com in that story or, you know, uh, sites of the like, you know, you can really find so much data to compare players um, from any era. And that those sites were so useful then to really, you know, track for, in Don's case, you know, yards per game, uh, games played, touchdowns and things like that. But, you know, it's really important. And I think that this was part of the letter that I had written to the NFL 
Hall of Fame in terms of also the data that I had provided was that, you know, what he did um, starting a franchise, it's like if you're with Panther City or if you're with uh, the Riptide, like, for example, you know, it's a little different, but, you know, if you take a Jeff Teat, who's with a young New York Riptide franchise, and if he leads them to great successes like Don did um, with the Cowboys, you know, that player maybe deserves a little bit more credit than maybe someone 20 years down the line when the team's established with a lot of older players. And so for Don to take a, a brand new franchise to carry it on his shoulders as the quarterback, you know, to me gave him more reason to be in the hall of fame. Incredible here. I thought your biggest accomplishment was giving me all the Levy nuggets for my broadcast and making me sound smart, but <laughs> this is incredible. This is incredible. You got to find someone though in, in previous years in the NLL. And I think you got to put a, a, a case together on why wow. they should be. Yeah, who's in who's the that fame. guy? There's your, there's your homework. There's your homework. I love it. That is an awesome <laughs> project. And I guarantee you that will be taking up way too much of my time. You will be wondering where I am. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Nikki. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry Nikki. <laughs> uh, brother, that was awesome, man. Um, so when does the first episode hit? Uh, I'm going to be dropping it on Friday. So the idea is that, you know, we want it, or I keep saying we, I want it to be uh, this project where, you know, we're using it um, to not only look back at the previous week and maybe what someone has accomplished, but also, you know, allow people to listen to the, the latest facts and things that are upcoming. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's important to have that out as late as possible. So Fridays are usually going to be the go-to. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, we're also going to be including, you know, shouting out uh, big milestones that other players have reached. Um, so everyone gets a little bit of a shout out and also, you know, upcoming milestones that people should be looking out for, um, you know, and so I think that by adding that, we're not just focusing on one player or one team. We're trying to give as much credit due to as many players as possible. Always pushing the P. Adam Levy, thanks for your time, my brother. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. That might be one of the craziest stories I have ever heard. A 13-year-old does an analytics report and gets a legend into the Hall of Fame. Like, I didn't even expect those words to come out of his mouth when he started that story. I had no idea where that story was going. <laughs> that was an absolute, that was an absolute roller coaster. I, I like I said, it's, it's like a movie or something. It's like yeah. a Disney movie. Like the, the, the whiz kid gets, gets this hall of famer in, 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 in shrine. Like it, who, it's incredible. <laughs> who plays Adam Levy in the movie? Oh God. That's a great question. Who plays a young Adam Levy? I don't even know any kid actors anymore. Yeah. Probably shouldn't. Uh, the guy, the kid who plays young Sheldon. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, perfect. Um, all right, let's try wings of money. I screwed us all over last weekend. thinking it was going to be a shootout uh, with Colorado, but it wasn't. We'll try to bounce back. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLF. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Patty, box bets. Um, like I said, my over didn't happen. I thought it was going to be just a goal fest, despite um, Dylan Ward always being able to bounce back. But uh, let's regroup, get back on track, mm-hmm. and, and boost this parlay. Well, it's going to be a boost, all right. So this one here started at plus 341. Fine folks at Cool Bet boosted it all the way up to 400. So I like this one. I really do. I say this every week, but I like this one. So we'll start things off. Wings plus two and a half at home against the Rock. So they have the to win one. by two and a half or more. No, they have to not lose by oh, more than right. three. The plus we took them on the yeah, yeah. So we got we got plus two and a half. So we're uh-huh. working with with a with a couple of goals here. Win or lose, Albany two and a half. Gotcha. There you go. Just keep it close, Philly. Keep it close. Perfect. Albany at Georgia. So that's the so first, that first one. game on the Friday. Yeah. The first one under twenty one and a half. And principally, you said it earlier. I'm taking Albany unders for the rest of the year until yep. it proves me wrong. Yeah. Their defense is going to be fresh. Dougie's going to be fresh. The under probably hits in game two, but we're not going to take that risk. Give us the under in the first game. And this is where I think a little, we got a little more juice from this one, but I like this and I know you certainly like it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Panther city lacrosse club plus one and a half against Vancouver on the road. All they got to do, keep it within one. One goal game. They're very good at doing that. Vancouver is very good at playing close games too, as well. All that, like I said, boosted to plus 400. Absolutely love that. But we also have uh, some new updated odds on getting to the final. Bandits are the new favorite to win the NLL Cup at plus 275. They're plus 130 to reach the finals and plus 115 to clinch the East. So bandits who are five and O are starting to make some headways, but we also have some new bets and odds we can get on. Yeah. So this is, this is awesome. And shout out to, to uh, the odds makers at cool bet. Um, just continue every week. We get a different thing we can sprinkle on. And last week, this came out um, after we recorded. So this is why we haven't talked about it. And I'll actually get to another one as well. But the first half, so you can bet on the first half money line. So that means whoever's going to be leading the game at the end of the second quarter. And then you can also bet on the over and under. So the total of the first half as well. So for example, pulling up, let's just go first game of the of um uh, of the weekend halifax new york right now the first half money line minus 185 um, new york plus 144 the total is set for 10 and a half the over is minus 112 the under is minus 109 the first so, half total is 10 and a half yes first half total is 10 and a half uh, the entire total was 21 and a half. So this is, this is options where, you know, if there's a team that you think, you know, up until last game, Toronto, a team that struggled in the first half struggled in the first quarter. Well, maybe, you know, if you're not confident in them, um, you know, if you, if you think, okay, like they're going to come out slow, but you know, or not comfortable of, of them winning the game outright or losing the game outright. That's where you can find different things as well. As I mentioned, there's another little sprinkle, 
Uh, you can't check it right now, but you'll you'll be able to get it if you're listening to this on Friday morning or on Saturday. Um, we've got props for saves, goalie saves now. What? So yes, so they're not listed right now. Usually the game uh, props will be posted the day of those games. So if you're right. listening, like I said, Friday, Friday morning, those props will come out. So now we've got player goals, player points goalie saves and then of course all the other things you can bet on as well so there's a ton of stuff that you can sprinkle on and as you guys know on my lacrosse flash piece every week it's an extended version of box bets here kind of dive into it a little bit deeper get some trends uh and i always wait till friday morning and i know austin ty if you guys are listening (laughs) i know you hate that because it's getting close to deadline but i gotta wait till the props are posted once they're posted then I usually do a little dive into that. So um, on a little bit of a heater right now, Teddy, with the other picks, let's hope that fire can roll into our boosted odds parlay and we can get a W here. And where do people go and how do they participate in our generous offer? So they go to coolbet.com. You can make a account in under 30 seconds. Once you make that count, you'll see that little green button in the top right corner, hit deposit. And before you do deposit, make sure you enter OTCB because the fine folks at Coolback Canada will double your deposit up to $200 terms and conditions applied. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Thank you, Patty. A um, couple final things before we get out of here. Obviously, NLL celebrating Black History Month uh, along with hundreds and hundreds and thousands and millions of other people around the world, but this is just another opportunity for the NLL to continue to um, educate and highlight and promote past, present, and future stars of our sport. It's, it's fantastic. And that's, you know, I think a big kudos to Jessica Berman. This is something that from day one, she wanted the game, the league, to be more inclusive and there are a lot of phenomenal athletes in our game that you know are telling their stories and i would really suggest going to damon edwards um twitter he put out a really awesome tweet about black history month and how important um it is to learn and educate um and help unite everyone right and and that's that's such a big step and uh, those guys are the leaders you know, of our game. And, uh, you know, Damon Edwards, uh, he's, he's such a nice guy, but he honestly does such great things for the community and especially with, um, you know, the black community as well. Yeah. Check out, uh, BL Alliance underscore on Twitter. It's the black lacrosse Alliance. Um, they've got some good posts and stories up there on their website, talking about, uh, what this month means to them and their, and their players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how we can get more involved and how we can learn and do more. So uh, it is an incredible month uh, where we can celebrate our stars of the game, but also look back to the past and, and try to be better uh, from what has happened to where we can go. One more final thing. Uh, we've been doing our flash spaces on Twitter, either Friday or Saturday, whatever the, the first day of NLL games are that week. And we've been enjoying doing those and we've enjoying everyone participating and having fun and, and stopping by and listening to us so-called experts chat it up. Uh, but the Vancouver Warriors are getting in on the fun as well. And they will enlist the services of our own Jake Elliott here at the lacrosse flash. 
co-host of a cross-classified podcast. At the end of every Warriors game, he will do a Warriors Twitter spaces where he will interview a couple of the players after the game. And you as the fan will be able to join those spaces and ask questions that you wish. Uh, or maybe you just want to sit back and listen to the thoughts post game. Um, but one thing I'll note, if you've never done a spaces before, um, you have to do it on your phone. Uh, it's not on desktop uh, currently to participate. I think you can listen uh, on your computer, but you can't actually I talk so. and be a guest um, and ask questions from your computers. You have to do it on your phone. So uh, follow the Warriors on Twitter. You can get involved in that post game. So uh, the first episode will be this weekend after their game versus Panther City. That's something that, you know, I got to give kudos to, to the Warriors doing. I think that's something that's really cool. I, I, I think something that with lacrosse in the media, what we're missing is one, I think just the fact that, you know, I think there needs to be to needs to be more like Monday to Friday digestible content for, Mm -hmm. for lacrosse fans. Um, Obviously right now, like maybe the demand isn't there for everyone, but maybe just the hardcore fans, but you know, that's something that's obviously missing. Um, Another thing that I think is, you talk about all the other, you know, NFL, NHL, NBA, when you're in that hometown market after the game, there's always those call-in shows. There's yep. always the post-game wrap. That's something that is missing in the game of lacrosse. And I think this is something that could be cool because with spaces, it can be interactive. Maybe you have callers, you know, guys coming in, asking questions, guys or girls calling, saying, asking the players, asking the analysts. So, Something that the Warriors start, I got to tip my hat. Maybe more teams will start to do more interactive post-game wraps. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at PGregi. I am Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The show is OTCB underscore podcast. We're on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Thanks to Brandon Miller. Thanks to Adam Levy. You can find Adam on Twitter at Adam Levy Sports. Make sure you check out His first edition of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast drop on Friday with Ryan Lee of the Colorado Men. Busy week in week 10. TSN Game of the Week goes Saturday night. Panther City in Vancouver. Be myself, Brad Chowner, and Chantel Chand. No ESPN Game of the Week, but you can watch all games on tsn.ca or ESPN+. Patty, any final thoughts, comments, concerns, questions? have a weekend let's have a weekend it is going to be beauty thanks for everybody for tuning in stop mind listen thanks to our guests as always enjoy the game stay safe and be excellent to each other